Chapter 15 An hour later, while a nasty lunch of macaroni with grated egg was settling itself down for a long stay in her stomach, Stella sat staked out in Corridor Park until Bellamy, her visit to the dragon apparently concluded, sashayed past towards the foyer. Her enormous bag swung at her back below her long brown hair. Stella made the clicking sound with her tongue that all teachers learned at teaching college. If Cheryl hadn't stolen the money, then what were the chances that the dragon's granddaughter Bellamy had? The problem was that jumping to conclusions such as the granddaughter stole the money was exactly what civilized legal systems were set up to avoid. Furthermore, Stella liked Bellamy. Well, a careful observer might notice that her step dragged a little on the way to see the dragon and skipped when she left, the girl kept a pleasant face all the while. What was more, she never missed a visit. Stella appreciated that fact as only somebody with no visitors could. Yet, Occam's Razor and Agatha Christie's Miss Marple were in agreement. If the wife was murdered, look first at the husband. If the husband watched the wife. When money is stolen, there exists a young relative with a large handbag. No, she would not judge the girl based on Thelma Hu's generalization. She would, however, feel perfectly justified in proving her point. All she needed was a look inside Bellamy's capacious bag. An idea was coming to Stella, but she would need help. She murmured, I need somebody to trip another person with her cane. Thelma batted her cane against the leg of her chair. She said, You've found your woman! Chapter 16 Although the fall that Stella had designed Bellamy to take on her way back from her next midday visit to her grandmother ought to have proved conclusively whether Mrs. McAndrew's granddaughter was or was not a thief, in its execution the plan was not a complete success, or rather not at first. Stella had expected that Bellamy would catch her ankle on Thelma's cane, lose her balance, try to save herself while her bag flew down the corridor. The idea was that the bag's contents would spread out along the floor in the sort of array in which brides used to lay out their wedding gifts for all to see. Instead, when Thelma tripped Bellamy, the girl went down flat while the handbag landed upright on the floor. So erect did the bag stand, in fact, that Stella couldn't help taking its upright posture as a personal affront. Nothing at all fell out. The leather flap even stayed closed, almost as if daring somebody to look inside. Meanwhile, the Greek chorus watched the proceedings with interest. 
Are you all right, dear? Iolanth asked Bellamy gently. Of course you are. Do young people have to be so noisy all the time? They like to stir things up, that's what, Lucille answered. Just look at the size of her handbag. Also, her skirt is too short. The, the nodder nodded. Meanwhile, Bellamy was pulling herself into a sitting position on the floor. She looked up at Stella, confusion in her eyes. Are you hurt? Stella asked. Uh, I'm okay. Good. Stella got to her feet. She took a deep breath, and she picked up Bellamy's bag. Then Stella tripped over Thelma's cane herself, just as Bellamy had, except that Bellamy hadn't done it on purpose. Stella's decision to trip herself was deliberate, but taken so swiftly that although she considered the consequences to the handbag, she overlooked the cost to herself. Stella staggered forward. Her first action was, hold, was to hold on to the bottom of Bellamy's handbag so that its contents flung themselves onto the corridor floor. She herself followed it down almost in slow motion, although it was not what you could truth, truthfully call an accidental tumble. The anxious expression she knew she was wearing as she went down was perfectly honest. On her knees now, Bellamy turned. She gasped. Are you all right? I don't know. She truly did not. Despite the new agility she was feeling, the agility that dated from her morning exploration with Mad Cassandra, Stella had been dreading a fall. She had thought any sort of full-body tumble might just finish her off, as a matter of fact, and had managed by taking extreme care to avoid, whenever possible, any uneven surface underfoot. Now, having taken such a fall on purpose, and it was somewhat harder fall than she had planned, she landed on the side of her hip with a feeling of doom. She checked her bones. She was astounded when they answered with a chipper, All present and accounted for, sir. Um, perfectly all right. Thank you. Stella looked around her. The contents of Bellamy's bag had landed on the floor around Stella. A rosy makeup compact had slid as far along as the Greek chorus's feet and lay underneath the nodder's chair like a small pink rodent running free in Fairmount Manor. Stella peered at the bag's detritus splayed out across the floor. Makeup, tissues, wallet, a sweater, a few books. Bellamy's phone had come to rest by Stella's right hand. As Bellamy folded her cardigan and tucked her makeup bag in her bag, Stella pulled the books toward herself. These needed checking out. She picked up each book by its cover. No thousand dollar bills fell out. Ha! Stella thought. Although she still had one item left to investigate, she already felt the pleasure of being right. Of course, Bellamy's innocence wouldn't help Cheryl get her job back, but Stella felt a sense of satisfaction about 
eliminating Bellamy as a suspect, and about being right that Bellamy was honest. One final item should prove her case for the honesty of youth. Bellamy's wallet. A small red leather affair lay by Stella's knee. As a decoy, Stella slid the phone along the floor in Bellamy's direction. The girl bent down to scoop it up. Stella picked up the red wallet. She was about to open it to prove the girl's innocence and look inside when she saw a shadow fall across Bellamy's wallet. A long pair of tan-colored trousers appeared in front of her. She looked up to meet Theo's gaze. His good hair fell over his forehead in a boyish manner, and in his eyes she saw a question. He was too polite to ask out loud, What are you doing with that girl's wallet? But she had a query of her own, and hers was also internal. With Theo watching, how could she possibly peek inside the girl's wallet? For if she was to be sure of the girl's innocence, she must do so. She dropped her gaze and hoped Theo would move on. But he didn't budge from his spot, except to step out of Bellamy's way as she skated by them on her hands and knees, scooping up her belongings and replacing them in her bag. Thelma's case against the girl could <clears throat> Thelma's case against the girl could not be closed until Stella had checked the red wallet. She was beginning to think that Bellamy would never turn her back, and furthermore that she must now have collected most of the contents of her bag. However, with a sorry, excuse me, to the Greek chorus, the girl was now peering under their chairs. Now, if Theo would just turn away to help Bellamy. But Theo didn't move from his spot. He held out his hand. Stella, heart sinking at the thought of having to figure out another way to finish her search, passed the wallet to Theo. As it traveled from her hand to his, a small miracle occurred. She felt the wallet open slightly. She leaned forward for a quick look before it could close again. She saw inside the last thing she wanted to see. The corner of something pink. Damn. As Theo handed the wallet to Bellamy, Stella used her chair to get herself back onto her feet. She sat back down beside Thelma and watched Theo escort the girl from Corridor Park towards her grandmother's room. The Greek chorus stirred and looked at one another. My, what a morning, Ilanth said. Lucille picked up her needlework. That's Stella. Pride goeth before a fall. But what about after the fall? That's what I want to know. Well, the nodder nodded, Thelma tapped her cane against the leg of Stella's chair. Did it work? she asked, sotto voice. Yes, for my sins. Stella leaned back in her chair, feeling disappointed to her toes in Bellamy. 
and thoroughly annoyed that Thelma and the Greek chorus had been right about the girl. You were right. It was Bellamy who took the money. She's still taking it, apparently, and will continue to do so until Alice McAndrew's stock of pink thousand-dollar bills runs out. Ha! Thelma said. I used to run a shop, you know. I know a thief when one walks into the room. Now what? Stella shook her head. Of course, there's nothing to be done about it. If I accuse Bellamy, she'll deny it. And denial is a river in Africa. Don't try to fool me. What are you cooking up? Thelma demanded. Nothing, Stella said tiredly. I'm out of ideas. But without even trying, she found that a new plan was forming in her mind. This one was more complicated than the last, darn it all. Thelma moved her red silk slippers impatiently. She snapped. Tell me! What must it be like to be blind, sitting in Corridor Park every day of your life, tapping your cane, waiting for a meal you hated the taste of? Stella sighed. Actually, she began, I hope to engage in a little illegality. As she explained the plan, it became clearer in her head, and a little more unethical, too. When she had finished, Stella thanked Thelma for listening. Don't thank me, Thelma retorted. I'm listening for purely selfish reasons. Stella nodded. I feel the same way. The place is not the same without Cheryl. I don't care about Cheryl, Thelma snapped. They'll hire another care worker in a second. What I like is that your plan is kind of interesting. It's the least boring. It's the least bored I've been for several years. Stelma blinked. Me too, 